Welcome to this time of worship this morning together. We're very conscious of one another's need. And I believe this morning as we come together as the, the body of Christ, we are reminded that we are a spiritual body. We are worshiping in spirit and in truth. And my encouragement to you at home is to discipline yourselves and make the time just to gather together and to share that this time in prayer around the word of God. We're going to take a moment together this morning and pray for you. There are those who've lost loved ones. There are those who are sick this morning. There are those who are in difficulties. And we want to pray and uplift them this morning with you before God. We are conscious that you're there. And we know that as you listen to this prayer, you'll identify with your own need. Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus to the throne of grace. We come boldly. And we commit the needs of our people to you. One of the greatest needs now, Lord, is the need for fellowship. Is the need, Lord, in spirit and truth to really connect with you and to be comforted by your Holy Spirit in these lonely and difficult times. I pray for families that you heal them. I pray for families you unite them. I pray for the children of God that you inspire us again. For we are the body, the church of the living Christ. We want to thank you this morning for your presence, for your person, and for your power. And pray that you stand amongst us today. And Jesus, live in us, live through us to the world, that they may see our God is in control. Blessed be your name as we share in the good news of Christ this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The reading this morning, uh, as we look at the subject, it is the body of Christ. Where did the church come from? Someone asked me the other day. And uh, we read about the first account of how the church was born um, here in the book of Acts chapter 1. Now Luke is the writer and he's a doctor and he's writing to a friend and he says, The former account I made of Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. The first letter he wrote was the book of Luke. Luke. Now Luke writes, the second account, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, to Theophilus, and explains things to him. And he says, uh, John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized, said Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So standing amongst them was the living Christ. And the disciples asked him, this question and he said to them it's not for you to know the times of the seasons which the father has put in his own authority but you shall receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the uttermost ends of the earth when he had spoken these things while they watched he was taken up in a cloud and received out of their sight and now we begin to realize that they went back to the upper room and there they waited in prayer on God as Jesus had commanded so that they could receive the, the Holy Spirit as he promised them. And in Acts chapter 2 we have these words, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Pentecost is penta, which means five, five days after harvest. The first fruits of harvest would be gathered and this day would be on that particular Jewish day in the Jewish calendar and mark the day of harvest. And so Pentecost 
is a day of harvest. And suddenly there came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were all sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire, one set upon each of them. And so they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now Peter says to these men and women, he tries to explain what all this is about. But he points back to the scripture and he says, but this, this happening, this event, was spoken by Joel. shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. <clears throat> there is a lot to talk about this morning. But one of my great concerns as we go back to the promise of the scripture, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. If I gave my message a title, I would call it witnesses. Are you witnesses for Christ? And we want to notice that the key thought in the passage here, Luke writes, and his idea of the Holy Spirit is that you'll be clothed with this garment of power and authority. And so we notice in the historical account that Luke gives here that the Church of Jesus Christ is just a few men who came together in that upper room. And God was about to do something that he hadn't done before. He was about to put his spirit into each of their lives. What, what the disciples saw as a demonstration of the spirit of God through Christ while he was on earth, would now be transferred into their lives and they would be asked to be his witnesses. And so when we consider the church of Jesus Christ today, we look at denominations and we look at all different things and we say, what is the church? Well, the next question is, when did it start? It started on the day of Pentecost. There it was birthed. You see, the church of Jesus Christ is not an organization. It, had, it needs organization, but it is a living organism that grows and shares uh, and is, is alive. It's made up of people like you and me who are born again. So when did it start? It started on the day of Pentecost. Who did it? Someone asked. God did it by His Spirit. And this group of men that came together were known as the disciples. And they would experience the Jesus of history now by faith, in their own hearts, in their, not just knowing about him, but they would experience him as the living Christ in their own spirit as they waited on the day of Pentecost. In person, in the presence of God, and in power, they would know the Lord Jesus Christ. The power comes through the Holy Spirit, not from men. And so when we look at the church today, we begin to see that we as believers should be empowered and are united together to be the demonstrators of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. They would experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Two things happen on the day of Pentecost, which is so vital. Firstly, every believer would be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, which we don't feel or know, but we'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We'd be put into, united into the body of Christ. And then there, uh, as John the Baptist said, he will baptize you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now, Acts chapter 2 says, they were filled. Each life 
was filled with the Holy Spirit. The question I ask you is, do you live in the filling of the Holy Spirit each day? So at Pentecost, the church, the body of Christ, is united from the heart by the Spirit of God Himself. And when we understand that, this was the beginning of the new life that all who believed in Jesus would experience. The church only worked through the Word in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we notice that the Holy Spirit is not a luxury, but an absolute necessity. Any, any denomination, any gathering that is just a functioning body must have the, the unity and the power <clears throat> of the Holy Spirit. So the church does not work through a worldly system. It works by the power of God. And it's not just that each one of us come together with religious observance. I'm so afraid that we get so religiously observant and um, we wash feet, we give tithes, we, we do all sorts of things, we feed the poor, etc. But, you know, we observe things and we think, well, that's enough. They, that leads to deadness very often. I'm not saying we mustn't do it, but I'm saying, secondly, there's religious organization. We love procedures. We love uh, to be in classes. We love to sit there and discuss certain things. But is that what the Church of Jesus Christ is really all about? Let me remind you, it is more than that. It is, it is not just keeping ordinances like sacraments and baptism. Like so many of our Orthodox churches would say, um, if you, we, we are the church because we keep the sacraments. Well, let me remind you today that it's not just in keeping the sacraments. It's in obedience and walking in the Holy Spirit. Religious activity. So many churches, like our own, is involved in religious activity. And very often we try to replace um, God with our works. But let me remind you, we should let God work. And God should replace our works with His work in our lives. Uniformity and unity. As long as we all look the same, we all act the same, we all smile the same, we all think, well, we're a wonderful church. But you know, the Bible says to us that we should not be one just outwardly, but we should be one inwardly from the heart in spirit together. And that unity only comes through the Holy Spirit. Lastly is this, we substitute self-effort for the power of God. Things we do, we want to show men, instead of letting God show what He can do by the power of the Spirit through us. When last did you experience God in spirit and in truth in your life, demonstrating Himself in power through healing, through, through the witness of the Word, through, through deliverance in your life, that the world may see that you're, you are part of the greatest movement on earth, the church of Jesus Christ, against which the gates of hell can't even prevail. So the power of the church is in the Holy Spirit. The one who empowered Christ would now indwell every believer. And that's what it is today. The Holy Spirit indwells every believer. But not every believer lives in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be filled daily with the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. The church of Jesus Christ is a people of the flesh, but we don't operate in the flesh. We should operate in the Spirit, because we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, says the Bible, in Romans 8 and verse 10, that dwells in you and me. 
That same mighty dunamis dwells in you and me. And we as the church can arise this morning and say, thank you, Lord, that we are not on our own with our own abilities and self-efforts, but we rely on the power of God to make us that witnessing church of Jesus Christ. Well, he will give us life. He's the only one who can raise us from death to life. And he does so as he unites us together through our salvation in the body of Christ. Now, it's not a program. The church has got so used to being a program that we come to the program instead of us being part of a movement by the power of God. That God has moved us um, into the world. He's moved us out in witness. He's moved us out there to do what he called us to do. Well, let me remind you today that God's people are not promoters of, of God. We're not uh, promoters, but we are witnesses to his name. The word witness means a martyr. You'd even lay down your life for what you believe in Jesus Christ. And in the days in which we live, we have to remind ourselves the difficult days are coming. That the Bible will not be accepted as the basic moral judgment of the world. And that all the things that the Bible says about homosexuality and what the Bible says about sin and adultery, the world does not accept. And I'll tell you, we're going to face that kind of opposition. But it doesn't matter because we stand as, as the body of Christ in the power of the Spirit to do what? Not to promote good things, but to be a witness to what God says and what God does. And you shall be my witnesses, says uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Each of you sitting around this table, listening to my voice today, you shall be my witnesses. That's cut and dried with Jesus. Are you his witness? He reminds them that you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem. That's at home. That's the first place to be a witness. Secondly, through your life and through your words. Secondly, in Judea, that simply means um, in another province. And then he says, you're going to go to Samaria, outside of your comfort zone. And then he says, you're going to even get further out. He says, you're going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Have you ever listened to the call of God in your life to take the gospel to another country, to a people who are not like you, who are different to you, to go and share the gospel with these people? Let me remind you today that even people like the Ku Klux Klan, who are so anti-other cultures, need a witness amongst them of the true and living God. Yes, the pagans need a witness. The heathen need a witness. This pagan world in which we're living around us, this godless world, needs a witness. It needs a God witness amongst them so that they can experience life. When the Spirit came, these disciples were in an upper room in fear of all that, that was said and threatened to them from the outside. And in the light of Jesus' death, His resurrection and ascension, they were gathered there in obedience to Christ. The Bible says when the Spirit came. Now the Spirit had to come so the church could be born. When that day of Pentecost came, wow, what a day, listen to it. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there was the sound of a rushing mighty wind. Let's go back there this morning and see that, the, that these few men who wanted the power, presence, and person of God to be a reality were in that place of obedience to God. I say to you this morning, if you want God to act in the power of His, of His Word and through His Spirit in your life, you must be in, a, in obedience to God's Word. Be willing to submit and to let the Spirit control your life. 
Well, they knew that they were going to be witnesses. But my question was this. When the Holy Spirit came, what actually happened in those individuals? Now, we'll go through it step by step. They were witnesses, firstly, of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, in, in, in John's Gospel, had promised them, John 14, 16 to 17, he says, I will give you another helper or comforter, the Holy Spirit, that he may be with you forever. Do you know that as a believer, you've got the indwelling, filling, empowering Holy Spirit of God in your life. And you see, that was the fulfillment of the promise. What they would see on Pentecost, what they would witness, was the promise of God being fulfilled. And my brothers and sisters, you can look at it in your own life and say, has the Holy Spirit come to live in me since my, since my, my salvation? Well, you couldn't be born again unless you, the Holy Spirit, as the gift of God, came into your life. You were indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You were put into the body of Christ. But now you need to be filled for service and for the demonstration of power. The coming of the Holy Spirit in verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. What is the evidence that we read about here? Firstly, there was an audible evidence. They heard a rushing mighty wind. It wasn't a wind. It was the sound like a wind. And Jesus said, you hear the wind, but you don't know where it comes from. Jesus said to Nicodemus, that's the working of the Spirit in mystery. He works in the hearts of men. How did he work in John chapter 3 when Jesus explained this to Nicodemus? He said, you can't see the wind, you can't hear the wind, you can only, sorry, you can hear the wind, but you can, you can feel the wind. You know the working of the Holy Spirit in transforming your life and bringing you to Christ. And he says, that which is flesh is born of the flesh, but that which is spirit is born of the Spirit of God. And God's Spirit births you as an individual to be put into the body of Christ. And so it was an audible voice. They heard the sound of a mighty wind. And people came rushing to hear what was going on here. God had visited, God had birthed in the hearts of these men and women, the church as a unit, as a body. Secondly, it was visible. There were cloven tongues of fire that sat on each of them. They could see around that room. It's on John, it's on Peter, it's on Mary, it's on James. As they were sitting there, it was a visible evidence. And I say to you today, the Spirit does have visible evidences in the world today. And I believe with all my heart that the Spirit through the gifts gives healing. The Spirit through the gifts um, gives deliverance. We see that in the lives of men and women, the working of the Holy Spirit. We see lives changed through the new birth. And we know that it is visible. The Holy Spirit didn't come to do things in secret or mysteriously only, but he came to do things visibly. The cloven tongues were the evidence of fire. Secondly, there was the oral evidence. What is the oral evidence? It was this, they spoke in tongues. Now here's a tremendous misunderstanding of this. They all thought, and especially us evangelicals, we, we go to some of the great teachers of the Bible and they bypass this passage in their commentaries. Because they can't explain what happened here. I do believe it's very simple. The oral part is when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in an utterance, in a tongue they were never taught. They didn't have every language on earth given to them. No, they had an utterance. And as they uttered, as the Holy Spirit gave them all 120 that utterance, the people who heard them, heard them in their own language. 
So someone asked me the other day, is their interpretation at the day of Pentecost? Absolutely. As they spoke in tongues, they never spoke languages. They spoke an utterance. And that utterance was a communication to every language group standing there. And they interpreted it for themselves as the Spirit gave them utterance. They heard it, they understood it as the wonderful works of God. Man, it's so simple. You don't have to try to turn it around and make it that this one knew Greek and that one knew Hebrew. Uh -uh. That one utterance that the Spirit gave them, those minds interpreted it as the Spirit gave them utterance. We know that, the, that they received and they gave it and spoke as the Spirit spoke through them. And the people were amazed that they understood the good news and the wonders of God in Jesus Christ. And they rejoiced. Fourthly is this, it was personal. They were filled with the Spirit. These men and women who were speaking were filled with the power of God. How could they do this on their own? They couldn't. And so what they did was glory. God was glorifying Himself through them on that day. If you're a tongue speaker, let me tell you this morning, you don't glorify man. You don't glorify yourself. You, God glorifies His Son through you and communicates Himself through you in that tongue to others. Of course, if you're praising God, in your praise tongue, you will praise God. God will be glorified, not you. Then there was understanding. The evidence of understanding. They heard each man speak in his own dialect. Now you can imagine, 3,000, 4,000 people. How could they all hear in their own language? It must be a work of God. When the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you today, God is interpreting His word to the hearts of people if they only listen and understand what He is saying. And then I do believe that it is biblical. This is what God said would happen. It is prophetic. For Peter says, um, and it shall... Uh, in the prophecy of Joel, he says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It's the prophecy fulfilled. Is God true to his word? Absolutely. Does he fulfill his word? You better know he does. Now, what's the purpose of all that? This morning, I am concerned that we're doing things very mechanically. We're not relying anymore on the power of God through the gifts and through the working of the Holy Spirit to move us into the sphere of operation that God has for us. Now I want you to notice that these witnesses, they were living witnesses, not dead witnesses. It wasn't something put on a gravestone as a memorial. You remember these disciples and Jesus Christ. They were living witnesses. Why? Because you see, the Spirit Himself bore witness within their spirit that they were the children of God. And you have that witness in you this morning. Amen? You do. Why? Because the Spirit creates life in you and He testifies. You're a child of God. When you're asked the question, who are you? You must testify. I'm a child of God. You utter that. Why? Because you're born of the Spirit. I've been a changed life. You can gather and call yourself a Muslim. You can gather and call yourself a Hindu. You can gather and call yourself a Rastafarian or a Baptist. But listen to me. What made you that? You had to be born that. And Jesus Christ says, He birthed the church. So we're both, we birth as believers who are called Christians. And as we birth, we're witnesses to God Himself. The Spirit Himself bore witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Who are you then? You're living proof 
of the Spirit's work. You're living proof that the word as the seed brings life into you and to me. So they were living witnesses, firstly. What did they witness to? They, they witnessed to the death of Jesus. Isn't it marvelous as you read this passage? You can't get away from this. Jesus had died, had risen, and was standing amongst them. Right in this passage, Luke is recording the history that the living Christ, resurrected, is standing amongst them. And in a moment, he was going to be glorified. But his death was for you and me. And the Spirit would take the death of Jesus and bring it to life. So that as we preach it and teach it and live it and testify to it, we too can show the world it works in our hearts. Secondly is this, they testify to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amongst them was the resurrected and living Lord. Tell me who lives in your heart this morning. Just the Jesus of history? Just the Jesus of some preacher who teaches me? No, he's the living Jesus who's come to live in my... He's alive because the Spirit has borne testimony to him in my life. And if Jesus is alive, then the same Spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in me and I'm living in him. You see... Matthias was then voted, according to this passage, as the one who would replace Judas. And for this purpose, it says, in verse 22, it says that he too might testify to the resurrection. Why would I testify to the resurrection? Because it's the miracle of new life. When Lazarus walked out of the tomb, everybody witnessed the miracle of new life. When you and I walk from death to life in Jesus Christ, we are testimony to the resurrection, to the miracle of change in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't change by just being moral. You can't change by just being a good person and attend church and become an outwardly active person. Listen, in the body of Christ. Listen, you've got to be transformed. That miracle work has that miracle work taken place in your life and it's a work of the spirit david put it this way in the song you will not let my soul leave my soul in hades that means you won't leave my soul in the grave once they bury me one day my body will sleep but my soul will go back to god who gave it it's the resurrection of my new life in jesus then there was the ascension they were witnesses to the ascension jesus christ has ascended and this is what they say. He's ascended into heaven. And there the disciples continued to say, He is exalted. He stands at the right hand of God the Father. Stephen was the martyr who saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father there in heaven. Finally, they are, are witnesses to the glory of God. He has made this Jesus, in verse 36 of chapter 2, both Lord and Christ. Is that important for the Christian message? You believe this morning that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Yahweh. And he is the anointed Christ. The one who came to do the work that God had sent him to do. And what does that mean? That he is the sovereign Lord, creator of everything. The savior, the redeemer of mankind. He is that Lord Christ who did this for mankind on the cross of Calvary. But rose and lives and promised, I'm coming again. This is the one the Holy Spirit testifies to. As the Spirit of truth reveals the truth about Jesus Christ. I didn't become a Christian because I read many books. 
I became a Christian because the Holy Spirit convicted me of the truth of Jesus who died for my sin. And I repented that I had nailed him there. And the Spirit said, I've been redeemed by the price of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for me. Thirdly, they were witnesses to the world. Lastly, here this morning, what did he say to them? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And when you read the passage of the book of Acts all the way through, you will see how the gospel has spread. Can I ask you a question? Since you've become a Christian, can you take your journey and map it out quickly and say, this is the influence I've been, God has been through my life, in my life, in my world, to other people, in my Jerusalem, in my home, in my neighborhood, in Judea, in Samaria, in another province, to the uttermost parts of the earth, in another part of the world. This is my journey. This has been my influence. The gospel spread spectacularly because the Holy Spirit was present through the preaching of the word. You and I should be testifying to Jesus Christ. In Jerusalem, that day after Peter had preached, 3,000 souls got saved. Man, that's pretty good preaching. That's pretty good fruit. That's pretty good evidence that the gospel was working in the power of the Spirit, doing what man couldn't do, transforming the hearts of men and bringing them back to a belief in Jesus Christ. What did, what did Peter do? He witnessed to the truth of God in Jesus. Do you? Does your life testify to the truth of God in Jesus? And God added to the church daily those who should be saved through your witness and mine. I'm always amazed that sometimes young preachers come to me and say, you know, my wife in the front of her Bible wrote your name and the day she gave her life to Christ. I said, who is she? When you preached in Kimberley that time, when you preached in Cape Town that time, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He has. His, his work is done by the word through you in the power of the Holy Spirit in reaching others. So God adds to the church daily. It's the miracle of salvation. Dear church, don't forget the miracle of salvation. Through individuals like Philip. Where did Philip go to? He was once a deacon, but then he took up some preaching and he went on the road. And you find him uh, in the book of Acts. You find Philip preaching the word of God. But God takes him firstly to an individual called a eunuch of Ethiopia. <laughs> and Philip preaches to this Ethiopian eunuch by just reading the scripture that he had in his hands and interpreting it for him. And the eunuch gives his life to Christ. And that eunuch goes all the way back to Ethiopia. And when missionaries got there hundreds of years later, they found the gospel there. You see, Philip had touched one life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to say to you in your daily walk with the Lord, you must touch people's lives and testify. It's not Islam. It's not... Um, um, Muhammad, it's not Allah, it is Jesus Christ, the living Yahweh, who is the Savior of the world. And believers, as we share this together this morning, individuals experience conversion. Individuals experience through conversion, conviction of sin, and then they experience that new life in Jesus Christ. I want to close this morning and some book I've been reading has been very interesting on men and women who've carried the message of Christ.
They are witnesses to the ends of the earth. Your words to the life of somebody in the power of the Holy Spirit can mean their salvation and a powerful change. John Knox was a Scotsman. had come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And way back, a little bit before the 18th century, John Knox stood up and testified that the Roman Catholic Church uh, was putting all its onus on the Pope as the Saviour of the world. And John Knox, in truth, expounded the truth of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. So much so that he was arrested by the authorities and was tried for his faith and put in the galley ships that put, brought the provisions to those various islands. And he was a rower on those galley ships, beaten almost to death. John Knox's prayer was this, Lord, give me one chance to go back and preach at St. Andrew's again, the truth of Jesus Christ. Well, years later, he was released. And Mary, Mary, Queen of Scots, said this about John Knox. I fear the prayers of John Knox more than I fear the Spanish fleet, the Spanish Armada. Why? He was a powerful Christian, willing to pro proclaim the truth, even suffer for the truth. But he stood up for the truth because he spread through his witness the truth that transformed the lives of people, no matter what it cost him. And then one life that touched me deeply the other day as I read the story of William Booth's daughter, Catherine Booth, just a girl of 20. He sent her all the way to France where she, with a few other soldiers, began to start meetings. And so they had a hall in which they invited people to come. Well, the riffraff off the streets came. And many of them came and they were making fun and they were dancing and they were doing a whole lot of things. And nobody in the group could control them. None of the pastors, none of the leaders. And then she stood up, just a young girl of 20. And she said, I'll make an agreement with you. She said, you can dance for 20 minutes. But after that, you'll give me 20 minutes to preach. And then I said, it's a deal. And so the whole hall danced for 20 minutes. And then she stood up and for an hour and 40 minutes she presented her testimony and preached Christ, the life of the world, to them. And you know, a young man who caused all the trouble came down, down and knelt at her feet and surrendered as the gang leader to Jesus Christ that day and said, I want to join you in sharing the gospel. And you know, within a short period of time, in her lifetime, she opened up 400 stations, as they called them, in that particular province, in those provinces of France where the gospel of Jesus Christ was spread through one individual girl that took place. I wonder what God can do through you and me. What power could be demonstrated through your witness and mine of Christ? Is anything taking place? Church, I call you back. We're not just an organization. We're a living organism to the power of God. We're a spiritual body born to proclaim the good news that challenges men and women to get right with God. In these days in which we close, I'm challenging every family to take our discipleship books in your home and once a week spend half an hour, invite a neighbor to sit with you and disciple them. Invite your children who have not been discipled. Invite the people in the backyard to sit with you and do discipleship and pray for half an hour with your family. The books are available at the church. Why? Because we've got, we're to go out there and make disciples. And I want each one of us to be involved in that, in the name of God.
of the Lord Jesus. The church of Jesus Christ is on the march. And oh my friends, it's not that organized building down in, in Nernie Avenue. It's you and me filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. To the work, to the work, we are servants of God. Let us follow the path that our Master has trod. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't send us a mysterious power, but you sent us the person of your very Godhead, the Spirit of God, to live within us, empower us, that we might speak, that we might boldly confess the name above every other name, the name of Jesus. This morning I ask you to help us to be witnesses to our, our neighbors, witnesses to our friends overseas through the phone, witnesses, Lord, in our own lives to people we work with. Lord, we ask you that you begin to lay your hand on us even for full-time service, that, Lord, we would say to the uttermost parts of the earth, take lives and use them, Lord, as you prepare them by your Spirit. Help us as a church now to begin to disciple our families, our neighbors, our friends. Lord, I ask you that this week will be Disciple Week, where we will take and begin to set up a time to teach others the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to thank you, Lord, that you take by your Spirit and burden hearts and teach people to pray and enlighten people of their gifts that they may use in the church the body of the living Christ. Live through us, Lord, in power and great demonstration. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We want to say to you this morning that you as a people need to acknowledge the messages you have received or a parcel that you have received for food and trust that you also acknowledge that you will come and accept books and disciple people in your homes please phone we'd be more than willing to help you and encourage you please bring your tithes and offerings we depend on you as the body united to supply the need that is in our community at this time god bless and keep you uh, and please i ask you lovingly take the word and share it with others be a witness this week god bless you amen thank you